This episode is sponsored by me, Andy Hill, the host of this show. If you're looking for someone to support you on your family, wealth, and happiness journey, I'm taking on a select number of coaching clients this year. To work with me one-on-one for your family finances, go to marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more. So here I go. I'm jumping in with both feet starting tomorrow. And please wish me luck. <laughs> because I'm going to need it. This show is dedicated to helping you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. Welcome to the Marriage, Kids, and Money podcast, everybody. This is Andy Hill, and today we're going to do two things. First, I have a quick announcement. Starting tomorrow, I will no longer be working in my full-time marketing career. I'm going to be transitioning to work on this small business full-time. I am thrilled about it. And I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you to everybody who has supported me with this side hustle turned business. (laughs) And today on the show, I want to share with you the steps that I took to transition out of my career and now into managing my small business full-time. And second, we are back with our Mortgage Freedom Series. This week, we are featuring David Venus from East Central Illinois. David recently paid off his mortgage at the age of 32. We're going to talk about his unique way of taking some risks with paying off his mortgage. And it's going to be a fun one. All right, let's jump into today's show. Tomorrow will be my last day at my job. After 15 years of working as an event marketing professional, I've decided that I'm ready for a new chapter in my life. The companies that I've had the pleasure of working with have treated me well, given my family great benefits, and paid me generously. I sincerely appreciate the opportunities that I've been given over the past 15 years. It's been, it's been great. It's just time for me to follow this new calling, this new path that I'm on. When I started this podcast in 2016, it was just a hobby. Something to do as a quick way to give back or learn from others and maybe hopefully help a few people along the way. As time passed, and I learned more about this incredible network in the personal finance community, I discovered there were people who were doing this full-time. They were making it a career. They were not only just doing it full-time, they were making a good living, too. And they had really flexible hours. So I got intrigued. (laughs) Fast forward a few years later, I, too figured out how to make a living from my hobby. And now I'm proud to say I have an award-winning blog and podcast that's landing me sponsors, content creation opportunities, and even speaking gigs, paid speak. People are, people are paying me to speak. It's, (laughs) it's crazy. This wave of opportunity combined with my passion for helping families build wealth and thrive is just too hard to ignore. So I'm going for it, my friends. 
But it wasn't easy to give up my stable career with great benefits and a six-figure salary. And I've got two kids at home. Nicole and I had a lot of conversations. And man, did we prepare. I'm really proud of what we've done. Here are the 10 steps that we took to ensure my transition to entrepreneurship is a success. Number one, eliminate our debt. When Nicole and I got married, we both carried some debt into the relationship. I had about 30,000 bucks in student loans and she had about $20,000 in a car loan. So combined about 50,000 bucks in debt. We agreed that we'd tackle the debt together by living on my income alone. And at the time it was around 70K. And then we'd use Nicole's income to pay off our debt. This helped us eliminate that 50,000 in around 12 months. With no debt and no car payments in our lives and our overall living expenses being a lot lower, we allowed ourselves to be more open to opportunities like part-time work for Nicole and then her eventually going full-time as a stay-at-home mom. And now in my case today, entrepreneurship. Number two, pay off the mortgage early. You guys have heard me talk about this quite a bit. A few years ago, we were able to pay off our $200,000 mortgage early. We were able to do this by partnering together, keeping our expenses in check and increasing our income. During this time period of about four years, it took us to pay it off. We averaged around $170,000 in income. So as I said earlier, I was very grateful for this generous income I received in my career. Even though we were making great money, we lived on a lot less than we made. Our annual expenses were between sixty dollars and $80,000 during this time period. And this actually helped us to realize we could live on a lot less than we were making. And we were still really happy. Once the mortgage was gone, I felt a lot more confident, a lot more happy, and just content and prepared to make decisions that were in the best interest of our family and our future. Number three, save 12 months of expenses. Oh man, yeah, this one really helped. Here's a stat that I found about 50% of small businesses fail after the first five years. And one of the major reasons that they fail is that they simply just run out of money. So I didn't want that to happen to us. So we decided to save up 12 months of expenses in a high-yield savings account as a cushion. This made us feel more protected as our income's gonna be a little unpredictable (laughs) in the first few months or even the first year because I've got no steady paycheck anymore. There's no automatic check that's going to be landing in my account. (laughs) Originally, we were going to use this money, this 12 months of expenses, about 60,000 bucks, to buy our first rental property. But we've since decided against that. This small business is now going to be our first big investment together. Number four, invest consistently for retirement. Over the last decade, Nicole and I have been saving for our retirement so that we can take advantage of compound interest. And we want to do this while we're young, and it's going to allow us to save on taxes too. So here are some of the areas where we invested. Our 401k. So for the last six years, I've been maxing out 
the 401k that I have at work. I get a match as well from my employer, which is an awesome perk. Thank you very much. And now we have around $200,000 saved up. It's been a great bull run in the market during that time, so that definitely helped. And the consistent automated investments really started to do their trick as well. So this nest egg, if we didn't add another dime to it, can potentially grow to $1.2 million by age 65. I used a 7%, very conservative, 7% growth. Another area that we save for retirement is our IRAs. So we amassed another $100,000 in our IRAs. That's both Roth and traditional. And again, if we allow that to do its compound interest thing, we should have around $600,000 by age 65. And then the last retirement opportunity that I was able to receive through my employer was through an employee stock ownership program, also called an ESOP, or maybe it's employee stock ownership plan. I don't know. Something like that. (laughs) ESOP. This was essentially just free money given to me from my employer as just being an employee of the company. It's great. It's it's all in, in company stock. So that's something you have to be concerned with anytime you get company stock. But conservatively, I should have another $100,000 available for retirement funds when I receive this in a couple of years from now. And again, since it's all in just company stock, I'm going to transfer it to a traditional IRA as soon as possible so that I can diversify across some select index funds that will allow me to feel, I guess, just more diversified. And again, that should land us around another $600,000 come retirement time. So with all those options combined, we should have around $2.4 million. And that's if we don't invest one more dime into our retirement. Using the 4% rule, that should allow us to live comfortably on around $96,000 per year in retirement. And we're still planning on contributing more to that, but knowing that these numbers are very conservative, we're feeling very comfortable in taking this entrepreneurial leap. Number five, research the cost of healthcare. One thing I was always worried about and I always had questions on was what are we going to do about healthcare? If I lost my benefits, how am I going to get healthcare and take care of my family? I got two little kids, man. <laughs> well, it helped a lot when I started to do some research and it wasn't as scary as I thought. First things first, if I just decided to keep my coverage at work through COBRA, and that allows me to do that for, I believe, 18 months, if I'm thinking correctly, it was around 1700 bucks per month. So not bad, you know, it's doable, but I thought I would do a little bit more research. I went on healthcare.gov and I found a high deductible health plan that covers our family, very similar to what I've got with my current job, and it's around $1,200. Per month. And if you throw dental in there, we're around $1,300 per month. So all in all, not that bad to get the benefits that I had through my employer. And since we're going with a high deductible health plan, we can continue to invest in our HSA and save and invest for future healthcare costs. And we've been using Lively, a great partner to help us with our HSA And as that continues to grow, it's going to give us more protection 
for those unexpected health events that can occur in my entrepreneurship world. Number six, diversify our household income. So for the last five or so years, Nicole has been a stay-at-home mom, and this has been one of the best investments we've made for our family. Recently, she started back with part-time work, and her income has definitely helped us plan for the future and just have some more fun. We've been using it for vacations, for decorating the house, making upgrades here, and also just planning for the future with big decisions like this. Now, a few months ago, she found a 30-hour-per-week job as a secretary admin, and she really loves it. It's great. It's close to the house. She's got manageable hours. The work is not as stressful as her old job, and she can still drop off and pick up the kids for school. And her new income definitely makes this decision a lot easier. Now, outside of her income... My business also has multiple sets of income. I've got podcast advertising, freelance writing, brand ambassador work, coaching, and content creation services that's going to help me diversify my income. So if one of them falls flat or I mess up on one of them, I've got the other ones to lean on. This year, I am projecting to make over $100,000 in my small business. I know that is an aggressive goal for year one, but based on what I've been able to do in the past years part-time, I feel very comfortable with this goal. And I'm hoping that this diversification plan will allow us to live a similar lifestyle as we have in the past. Number seven, try your business as a side hustle first. Jumping right into small business ownership would make me feel very nervous. (laughs) I've learned so much over the last three years about managing and owning a small business since I've been doing it as a side hustle. Being an employee for the last 15 years, I've had the luxury of an HR department, a sales team, marketing leadership, accounts receivables, and even an accounting department. Now, with entrepreneurship, I've got to do all of those things. (laughs) Even IT support, that's a good one too. (laughs) I'm glad I've given myself some practice over the last three years to realize all of this before taking a big leap. Also, by trying out my small business as a side hustle first, I gave myself ample time to decide if I even liked it or not. I'd hate to quit my job, start this new business, and then decide, actually, I don't really like podcasting or writing or any of these other things I'm going to be doing. So I'm really glad my side hustle time ended up being like a good test run beforehand. Uh, Try before you buy, per se, right? (laughs) Number eight plan out our budget. Nicole and I know we can comfortably live on around $60,000 per year because we've done it before. But it was important for us to craft the numbers together and put it into our mint budget that we've been using for the last eight years. And it helped us to kind of see those numbers and feel really good about the plan. Now, for other couples out there, Zeta, they've been doing really great work with their budget system, and it's specifically focused for couples. 
Mint, we've tried a lot of these other ones. Mint has just been our go-to, so we can't seem to break away from it. But Zeta, I like what they're doing. If you want to give that a try, it's another free system. That was a little sidebar. (laughs) But the sheer act of writing down these numbers made us feel very comfortable with the big decision that we're, we're jumping into. We're going to have to sacrifice some extras for a little while as we get used to our new income level, but we're going to be ready. Number nine, grow your network. Over the last 15 years, I've developed a really great network of folks who work in the event marketing industry. Now that network has helped me to get new career opportunities, grow my skills, and increase my salary from five figures to six figures and it's just been great. Now that I'm jumping into a new industry, this personal finance world, it was important for me to grow a new network there as well. So for the last three years, I've been making more connections, both in person through conferences and interviews and online. Through my interviews on this podcast with millionaire entrepreneurs, personal finance experts, and financially independent families, my network has grown substantially. Now with this bigger network, I've gotten more opportunities. Based on those connections, I was able to receive new opportunities for writing, speaking, and content creation, and the development of those diversified income streams. So as they say, your network is more important than your net worth. And that goes doubly true when you're going into this small business universe that I'm jumping into. Number 10, take a leap of faith. I like to think that I'm very prepared for this big decision. I've just listed nine things that we've done to get there. But there are a thousand other things that I'm yet to learn. After all, I have never, ever done this before. I have never been a small business owner. I've always been an employee. I know failure is going to come. There's going to be a lot of rough days ahead, a lot of learning opportunities. But I know there's also going to be some big wins in my future too. And those days are going to be incredible. But I know either way, my family's going to be there for me, whether I'm failing where I'm winning, and they're going to say, you're doing your best. Keep at it. This is an adventure, pure and simple. This is something I'm jumping into with my eyes wide open. But, and that's what gets me excited about it. It's unknown. It's, it's unpredictable. So here I go. I'm jumping in with both feet starting tomorrow. And... Please wish me luck because <laughs> I'm going to need it. We'll be back to the show after a word from our sponsors. Are you looking for someone to walk alongside you on your journey to family financial independence? Well, I would love to help you achieve your goals and help your family thrive. I work with couples, individuals, and families all around the U.S. via video chat and can assist in the following areas. Becoming debt-free, growing your net worth, crafting and sticking to your budget, reviewing coast fire plans, developing strategies to build generational wealth for your kids, and designing your future work optional lifestyle. Doesn't that sound nice? (laughs) If you're interested in working with me one-on-one, you can book a time with me by visiting marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching. I would love to help you strengthen your family tree and live financially free. 
Visit marriagekidsandmoney.com slash coaching to learn more, or you can click the link in our show description. If you're looking to improve your financial situation, it helps when you're able to cut out unnecessary costs. Cell phone services are a necessity for sure, but we don't need to be overpaying for them, right? That's why I like Tello Mobile, a phone service worth talking about. We've been fully on board as a family with Tello for over two years now, and we are so happy that we made the switch. For us, the reception and data service is better than Verizon, and our costs were nearly cut in half. Tello runs on the T-Mobile network and it's wowing new customers like us with their rock bottom prices and stellar service. With over 10,000 reviews, Tello is rated as excellent on Trustpilot, and this is quite rare in the wireless world. Nicole and I went for the unlimited data, minutes, and texting plan for only 25 bucks per month each. Isn't that crazy? You heard that right. $25 is their most expensive plan, actually. And Tello is running a special offer for MKM listeners right now. Check out Tello today at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello and use the code MKM20 to get 20% off on your first month of service for any Tello plan above that $10 per month mark. Again, use MKM20 to get 20% off at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello, and you'll be supporting this show. Hurry up. The code is valid until April 19th, 2024. Marriagekidsandmoney.com slash Tello. Thanks for taking time to consider our sponsors, everyone. Let's jump back into the show. you like to own your home outright? What would it feel like to never make a mortgage payment ever again? On our Mortgage Freedom Series today, we're going to interview someone who paid off their mortgage at 32 years old. And now he and his wife have a lot more money to enjoy. David Venus is our guest today. David and his wife Stephanie live in East Central Illinois with their awesome Vesela pup named Abby. How's it going, David? Good. How are you, Andy? I'm great. I'm great. So, David, tell us why you decided to pay off your mortgage. Well, the short story is that payment was just it was just a burden. It just felt so uncomfortable. And it probably wouldn't have been as big a deal, but the the long story, the long version of this is we we were actually mortgage free. We owned a home prior to this one for about 4 years. And of course, over that four-year time, we saved some money and started looking for farmhouses, you know, things out in the country, something that we can make our own. And Stephanie found something and she actually bought it while I was away on work. She signed all the paperwork and bought it herself. And over that time, I started getting into the personal finance and learning more about it. And we talked about it and we thought, oh, surely you know, we, that, that's good debt. A mortgage is good debt. So we'll just do the 20% down. We'll plan to pay it off in nine years and we'll invest the rest of it. And when we did that, it just didn't work out that way. When we got that mortgage back, that sense of burden came back so hard and it just felt like the bank was holding something over our head. Now the bank was nice. Nobody ever said a word. Of course, mortgages are normal, but for us, it just, it wasn't right. So we, we turned it on and threw everything we had at it to get it gone. 
Yeah, that makes sense. I actually felt pretty similar to how you're describing, but what aspects of having the mortgage made you feel that way? I think the primary thing was just actually the interest payment, the interest amount. The 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 loan was, you know, $161,000 and the interest rate was 4.5%. And so while in comparison to a lot of things that's not that much, but that's still six to 700 bucks a month. You're paying somebody to borrow money. And that just, it just couldn't take it. That just wasn't for us. Yeah. So whose idea was it originally to say, Hey, let's, let's get rid of this thing and, and not have it anymore. Was it your idea? Was it Stephanie's idea? I think it was a little more Stephanie's at first. I kind of always felt like I wanted to pay it off a little faster than the nine years, but I was still in like the five to seven year range. And Stephanie, she takes care of our day-to-day monthly expenses. She handles that side of it. And I spend a lot more of my time looking at the three to five year and then the 30 year stuff on past that. So it was really, it was her idea. She started looking at it, playing with the numbers. She built herself a little Excel spreadsheet and a graph, you know, started, uh, anticipating if we paid, you know, an extra hundred here, an extra 500 there, what would it do? And she came up with a plan to pay it off in, in five years. And then the ball just kept rolling and rolling. And we actually paid it off in just less than 12 months. Wow. That is incredible. In 12 months you paid it off. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, we had saved quite a bit of money for this new farmhouse and we knew it, it was going to need some updates and it didn't have any heating or air conditioning, no air ducts, needed new electrical, new water. So we lived in our old home. We spent six months renovating it, getting it to a, a livable state. And then when we sold our other house, we, we got really lucky. Our other house sold in a month. Mm-hmm. And so the plan was, well, we were just going to take that cash and go ahead and invest it. We weren't going to put it into the house. But the way everything lined up, we got that big chunk of cash and we thought, you know, we could we could pay, we could take this money, put it on the mortgage. And then we're only five to six months away from having this thing totally paid off. So once we paid once we made that big payment with that, the proceeds of the other house, we we drained. We we've always had sinking funds for cars, uh, sinking funds for vacations, uh, general savings. We drained them all. And we even talked ourselves into thinking, well, worst case scenario, we could use our Roth 401ks because we've had them for about five years now. We could use those as an emergency fund. So we even dipped into our emergency savings a little bit too. We, we just... We knew we were so close that we just threw everything we had at it. Wow, that is incredible. So how much did you make from the proceeds of the house and then threw at the 161000 We made about 77000 or 78000 yep. And we actually went and made a $65,000 payment. Because okay. at, this, at this point, we're still planning on like a three-year payoff plan, maybe a two-year payoff plan. But once we hit it that first time and the interest payments cut in half. It's like, oh man, we're, we're that close. Okay. Let's, let's do it again. And so it got to the point where, a, you know, a month later we're like, okay, now let's go ahead and drain that car fund. You know, both cars are in decent shape. I like working on cars, so I'm not afraid to fix a wheel bearing or a, a set of tires or, or something like that. So we did that and yeah, it just, it just snowballed. 
That's incredible. So you had a lot of, so you got 65K to throw at it right away, and that takes it down to like less than 100. And then you're right. looking at the savings that you guys have built up because you're smart and frugal and you've, you have all these different funds and you say, well, we're doing pretty good. Why don't, we, why don't we just throw it at there? So how much of the savings did you throw at uh, the number? Because that probably took it, a little, took it a little bit below 100 and then you started throwing savings at it. Was that like another 50 or something? Well, yeah. So we sold that other house April 26th, I believe it was. And May 20th, we made a $65,000 payment. Uh-huh. May, May 31st, we made a $59,000 payment. June 20th, we made another $11,000 payment, and that drained us of just about everything but our emergency savings. That's and then, awesome. and, and then so, from there, you just started yes. making payments? Right. We had to wait until I got, you know, we, we both have jobs. I had to wait for paychecks to come in. <laughs> and so we actually, we went in on a Thursday. I was going to get paid on a Friday, and we actually went in on a Thursday and went ahead and, and paid the mortgage off but I needed the money from the check that was coming the next day. So we were, ba- we were banking that banks were still as slow as they always were. And, and they were, so it worked oh, out. That is hilarious. So you, you finished paying off your mortgage before you had enough money in your checking account to pay off your mortgage. Yes. I love it. That's so cool. Yep. <laughs> wow. That is a, that is a hero story, man. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. I, I love it. So you, so <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay, so what do you what do you guys what do you guys do for a living? Just just to, so I'm understanding uh, to help people understand what you guys do. Yeah, so uh, Stephanie works in the billing department of a alarm and monitoring company, and then I work for a large oil and gas company, a pipeline company. In fact, my company is the the primary supplier of natural gas for the city of Detroit. Oh, that's great. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. No problem. No problem. <laughs> think of me in the winter. I def- Oh, well, we do, my friend. We do. We, we, <laughs> we love our natural gas here in the wintertime in Detroit. Absolutely. David, talk to me about these sinking funds and these emergency funds, all these funds that you developed that allowed you to have all of this cash. What happened in your life where you got into the mindset that developing these individual savings accounts was a good idea? Well, that, you know, Steph, she's really the one that started that. She's always been a saver, a hard worker. When I was growing up and I got my first job, I wanted to work on cars. I wanted to be an auto mechanic. And I don't know if you know this, but auto mechanics, their prized possession is their toolbox. And so I had a bunch of money tied up on credit cards in toolboxes I couldn't seem to get it through my head that you got to pay that credit card off when you use it for breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Like that stuff adds up. And she had tried to talk to me about it, but I I don't know. I guess I I didn't really get it. And I I worked for two years at that dealership and was really struggling to make ends meet. It just wasn't my style of work. I got real fortunate to get the job with the oil and gas company and I was living on my own for six months. I actually, we moved from uh, Southern Indiana to Bloomington or to central Illinois. And I was, and Stephanie stayed over at the, you know, over in Indiana. So I'm by myself for six months. And at that point, we're starting to transition bills to the new place. I open a bill, a credit card bill. And that's when it finally hit me. It's like, what in the world 
is this? And of course, Stephanie says, I've been trying to tell you for two years. <laughs> so it just, it really, it really was her. I think, you know, we've both heard that women, they're nest makers, they're homemakers. They, they have that real strong security gene and, you know, that really wanting to take care of her, that really, uh, I guess affected me. And then by getting this new job, I wanted to work so hard. I wanted to prove myself that I, I, I deserve this job. I've earned this job. I can do this job. So I think all of that kind of combined of, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm 21 years old. I'm still relatively young. I've got time to turn this around. And that's exactly what, that's exactly what we did. I love that. I love that story. I love that story of partnership also, of you know hearing your spouse out and then but then coming to it in your own way like yeah i heard you but then i needed to see it on paper in front of my face to say yeah absolutely yeah that's how we work right <laughs> that's right absolutely this is a great idea i have honey i've been telling you about <laughs> that for years man <laughs> Oh yeah, i've heard that more than once <sighs> well let's talk about so you you said that you um drained the savings and you started to even touch some of the uh, Roth, uh, Roth money. Were you guys worried about not having that cushion or not investing in the stock market during this time? Or was it such a short period of time that it didn't really bother you? Well, so actually we, we never, we never had to get into the Roth and, uh, we were just, we called that, we told ourselves that if we got needed, if we had an emergency that was more than what we had left in our emergency, we could dip into that Roth. Mm -hmm. But we actually still contributed to our Roths and our 401ks the entire time. We didn't back off a bit. And there was uh, a little bit of argument or conversation between her and I about the 401k and the Roth savings because we don't max out our 401ks. Mm -hmm. And I was having a little bit of a rough time at work, just not, you know, I guess the, the, the fire movement got to me a little bit. And so I was struggling a little bit. I was trying to talk her into, Hey, why don't we start maxing out these 401ks instead of doing this? And she brought up the point of, you got to live life now too. And she said, besides, don't you spend a ton of your time planning and forecasting and, and how are we going to make it? It's like, well, you're right, because I've built my own Excel spreadsheet with my own Monte Carlo simulation. Mm. It runs a, a thousand simulated tests, and it takes about three minutes for it to actually compile everything. And I've done it hundreds and hundreds of times. And we're going to be fine if we never get raises, if inflation is 3.1%, and we use... 2% less than what the S&P 500's return has been over the past 106 years. So I've, I've run all the numbers and everything was good. So we weren't too worried about being able to make the other end because we weren't changing the plan that was going to get us there. We were just working with what we had already carved carved out with the savings. I love it. I love it. That's a lot of planning and it's, it sounds like you're really into the numbers. And, and to your point, you know, we're going to be fine either way, right? You know what I mean? Like, hey, whether right. we pay off this mortgage today or we don't pay off the mortgage, it's like, let's go for the relaxation or the, or the stress relief of not having that burden, the word you used, you used earlier, of getting that out of our lives. So kudos for you guys and kudos for having those conversations too. I think that's really important for couples to have those because these are life-changing conversations. So speaking of life-changing, how did you guys celebrate? What are you guys doing now with the extra money that you have? 
So first thing is Stephanie's really been wanting to go to Hawaii. So we are actually, we just booked a trip last week. We're going to Hawaii this December, getting out of the cold weather and, and going and spending eight days out in Hawaii. So we're both really looking forward to that. It'll be our first time. Uh, and yeah, super excited. As far as the extra money, we're, we're building some savings back up. Uh, Stephanie's car and my truck are both at about 150,000 miles. They both have plenty of life left in them, but we're going to go ahead and get that car fund back up to where we want it. That way we've got the cash sitting there uh, if and when she's ready for something new. And then after that, we're, we're going back to a few more home projects. And I am still kind of a car nerd. I still like cars. So I'm I'm looking forward to maybe getting a new to me truck, you know, a couple year old truck and uh, doing some performance stuff to it. What's like the, the truck? Tell me what the truck is that you want to get. Well, it's, it's just a basic, it's an F-150, you know, just a regular Ford F-150, but I want a crew cab because I have a, I have a work truck. So my personal truck doesn't get driven a whole lot once every couple of weeks, maybe once a month, but we go to see family with it that lives about 90 miles away. So I got to have something that I can throw everybody in all of our stuff in, be super comfortable, but I don't want just any truck. You know, I want my truck. So I, I plan to do some performance upgrades and make it get from A to B really quick. That's awesome, man. That's great. I love that. And I love how you guys are going to Hawaii to celebrate and then making some fun future plans. So there's somebody listening right now that's saying, I want to pay off my mortgage, man. This sounds great. What advice would you have for them if they wanted to start today to try to figure this out? So the first thing is it kind of comes back to that 401k and the Roth stuff. We automated that system for us, I don't know, five or six years ago, really made it where all that money is coming out before we even see it. And we coordinated it with raises, with bonuses, with, you know, changes to the regular payment. And we always budget for two paychecks a month, even though we're going to have a couple of months every year that has a third paycheck. So setting everything on that on automatic, on autopilot, it really makes a difference. It, it sounds so simplistic and everybody says that, but it really is the case. If you set that stuff up before you see it and then you go ahead and set it up to increase your contributions or increase your savings rate before you even see it at a, at a raise, I mean, that, that makes all the difference in the world. And we used to set goals for ourselves. Okay, we want to save this much money this year. And then we would hit that goal in September. It's like, well, you know, I wasn't that conservative with my numbers. You know, how did we get there? So we've learned now that whatever number we think we can hit, we go ahead and up it by 15 or 20 percent. Like we go ahead and throw that goal out there because I promise you, if you want it, you'll get it. I mean, something will happen and that you never expected and you will get there. So don't doubt yourself. Go ahead and set that goal out there just a little bit farther. And even if you don't hit your new goal, I promise you, you're still going to hit the goal you thought you could get and probably still a little bit more. I love it, man. That's great. That's very motivating. And it's such a true statement too. If we make some aggressive goals, not way too far out there goals, but goals where you feel like that's aggressive. I think, I think as you're saying, you know, you get there. So David, uh, I know that you, um, have a lot of information to share. If you're open to it, where could people connect with you if they had any questions for you? 
Yeah. So really I, I don't do a ton of social media, but I am on Facebook a couple times a week. I usually try to check out what kind of dad jokes are in the stacking Benjamin's basement. You know, it's, it's pretty funny, but uh, yeah, so you can, you can absolutely hit me up on Facebook and that's, that's really about all I do as far as the social media stuff. Excellent. Cool. Well, David, thank you so much for sharing with us today. This is an awesome story and I really think it's going to inspire some people today. So thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Well, thanks for reaching out. Going all in, taking a little risk and eliminating the largest debt in your life. Very, very cool, David. Awesome. Here are my top three takeaways from my conversation with David Venus. Number one, create sinking funds. David and Stephanie created multiple emergency and sinking funds to save up for big purchases in their future. These funds became a savings option that allowed them to pay off their mortgage early. This could be a risky move depending on your personal situation, but David and Stephanie felt good about it based on having that double income. Why not build up these accounts and decide what's right for you? Number two, automate your 401k and IRA. David talked about setting up your retirement accounts and then putting them on autopilot to grow. This is a great way to ensure your retirement is on the right track. You're going to look back in 10 years and be surprised at this huge balance that's sitting there. Be sure to set periodic check-ins to rebalance or meet with a trusted fee-only certified financial planner professional to ensure you're meeting your personal goals. Number three, set big goals that motivate you. When you set big goals, incredible things can happen. This is a great conversation for us to have as we kick off this brand new year. Ask yourself what goals you have for this year or for the next five or 10 years. According to David, you'll be surprised at your progress if you simply write down those goals and keep yourself accountable. David, thank you so much for sharing your mortgage-crushing news with us today. I wish you and Stephanie the best of luck with the next steps in your financial journey. And make sure to send us a picture of that new F-150, or the new-to-you F-150, that is. <laughs> if you've recently paid off your mortgage, I want to hear from you so I can celebrate you on this show. Reach out to me at Andy at marriagekidsandmoney.com or tag me or ping me at Andy Hill MKM on all social media platforms. Sharing your story is going to help other families. And that's what this show is all about. So please join us, share your win, and inspire others. As a quick reminder, everybody, this show is for entertainment purposes only. Be sure to seek out a professional for your specific financial situation. Before we go for the day, I'd like to ask you to do any one of these three things to support this show. Number one, leave me a review in Apple Podcasts or Stitcher. Those reviews help more people to find this show. The second thing, number two, subscribe to this podcast in your favorite podcast player. And then the last thing, number three, share this episode with a friend who's interested in transitioning out of their career or paying off their mortgage early. You can find this show and all the links and resources mentioned at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 171. That's marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 171. 
And if you are new to this show, I would highly recommend you check out session 116, the 10 steps to young family wealth and happiness. You can find that at marriagekidsandmoney.com slash session 116. It is a great place to start. In the spirit of growth and inspiration, I'm going to end the show with a quote today from Jimmy Carter. Going out on a limb, that's where the fruit is. Do the math and take some risks, my friends. Carpe diem. Carpe diem.